Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday. It is July 27, 2015. Today we're reading from the big book, <clears throat> pardon me, and we are at page 102, the last paragraph, beginning with many of us keep. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Janice B., 12 Traditions, Nadia B. The readers of our text are Larry K., Terry H., and Angela D. The share ID for yesterday, for Sunday, July 26, 2015, our special edition um, by Penny C., Keep It Simple, is 7871. That's 7871. Our OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Janice B. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Janice B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Grateful to be here. Number one, step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
and 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Janice B. Okay, I will now ask Nadia B. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Nadia B., Graceful Recovering Compulsive Believer in Connecticut. The 12th tradition, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are the trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group are the never endorsed finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contribution. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OAS as such ought to never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. 10. The OA name will never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions. Ever remind us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Nadia, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. And in order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. 
Today we resume our study of the big book on page 102, the last paragraph. I will now ask Larry Kay to please begin reading. Janice, good morning. Larry Kay, recovered uh, compulsive reader from Chicago. Many of us keep liquor in our homes. We often need it to carry green recruits through a severe hangover. Some of us still serve it to our friends, provided they are not alcoholic. But some of us think we should not serve liquor to anyone. We never argue this question. We feel that each family, in the light of their own circumstances, ought to decide for themselves. So, you know, what we read here, I mean, um, obviously, uh, you know, we, we are, again, in step 12, you know, and working with others. So we've, you know, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, you know, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and practice these principles in all our affairs. I always want to be mindful of what step I'm on. And, you know, here um, this transformation has occurred already. So, you know, it's essentially what we're saying is that, you know, whether or not we keep our, our bin substances in our home, that's, you know, for us to decide. It seems like, you know, prudence is a, is, is a, is a good thing to have here. I mean, some people on the line are, you know, are, are recovered uh, compulsive overeaters who, you know, live obviously with their families and, you know, and, and not all their families, uh, you know, you may not live with other compulsive overeaters or perhaps maybe you do, but, um, you know, but these, these individuals, perhaps they, they don't, you know, they're not working a program like we're working. And, you know, again, you know, um, love and tolerance, acceptance, these are some of the principles that I live by today. I do know in my case that, you know, I, I don't necessarily keep my binge substances around in my home. Um, however, um, uh, I, you know, I will um, have the binge substances around um, various foods around if, you know, I have a reason to have them around. And, you know, I can give you an example in my case. If my daughter, her friends are, you know, I don't live, um, you know, other than my dog. And my daughter, when she's, you know, my daughter splits time between, uh, you know, my home and, and her mom's home. But, you know, when she's here, you know, one, my daughter um, is not, she doesn't follow a, a program like I follow. Um, uh, she's not a compulsive overeater. When she has her, you know, when she's here with her friends, um, you know, I'll have the food around here. But I, you know, that's a choice that I can make because in this case, I've, it doesn't, uh, the food is neutral to me today. Thank you, God. And so I don't, uh, you know, it, whether it's here or not, it doesn't uh, capture my attention. Um, prior to having a spiritual awakening, I would, you know, purposefully keep the food out of my home, um, <laughs> always, uh, always picking it up eventually. Um, but today it doesn't matter whether it's here or not, but this is a decision that each family can make in light of their circumstances. And we don't, you know, we don't have, um, I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other with it being here, but I don't, I guess where I wrap up and say is I wouldn't keep it here. You know, if it's just me, you know, there's no, you, you know, to live with some sort of vicarious pleasure or something. I don't keep it around for those purposes. So um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Well, thank you, Larry. Okay, we're going to open up the meeting now. For anyone that would like to share, please press star one. Okay, who's going to be first? Anybody want to start? My name is Lisa from New York. 
Well, I heard New York. I didn't get the first name. Hi, Janice. It's Naomi. Patricia. Teresa? Okay. Patricia. Oh, Patricia? Okay, Patricia from Patricia. New York. Yes, I'm a compulsive eater in recovery. First time sharing on the line. Um, not able to get to my regular meetings this week, so I just am grateful that everyone is on the line, and I, I love... This I love the big book. I love every word of it. I love this passage, and it's pertinent. I'm having a very big party on Friday evening, and there'll be things in my home that I don't necessarily normally have around. And as someone had already said, if I'm in good spiritual condition, then I can handle it. If I'm not, then I can't. So... Um, I just have to be mindful of of my my um, connection with God, and then usually afterwards, my choice is to just get rid of this stuff because it's just if I'm not going to eat it and no one around me is, then I just try to get rid of it. So I'm glad I'm here, glad I'm on the line, and I thank everyone for being there. And thank you, Patricia. Welcome to our meeting. Okay, I think I heard Naomi. Yes. Is there uh-huh. anyone else beside Naomi? Julie? Amy. Amy. Amy G. Amy. Melissa uh, O. Two. Hold on, just one second. Amy, what's the initial of your last name? E is in Edward. E. Amy E. Okay. Oh, golly, I missed. I heard Vasa, and who else? Melissa C. Mo- Melissa C. Let's go with that. Okay, we're going to have hear from Naomi B. Go ahead, Naomi. Okay, thank you, Janice. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Okay, thank you, Janice. <clears throat> thank you for your service, and thank you, my fellow visionaries. Um, <clears throat> good paragraph, it's because we have to we have to live in this world. We're not really of this world, but we have to live in this world, and. For the majority of my family, they're normal eaters. I am not. I'm a compulsive eater. I have that mental twist. But the difference is I can I can live in their world. And we've had parties here. We've had baby showers here. And I put the food objects out, and they're just things to me. It's not my food. I'm not going to indulge in it. But I'm not going to deprive my family of having a nice time here. And... This is the this is the freedom, the freedom from bondage, the freedom from these foods that God has granted me. So when we have these parties, and three o'clock in the afternoon certainly is not a time for me to eat, but I, it's it's such a freedom. It's like someone had taken this huge weight off my back and off my brain that I could set these foods out for others to enjoy, and I do. I let them have their party. They enjoy it. I socialize. And this program has given me such a freedom like I've never had in my life before. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. And thank you, Naomi. Okay, Amy E., you're up. Good morning, everyone. Amy E., gratefully recovering from compulsive overeating in Ohio. Um, Many of us keep liquor in our homes. And then Bill goes on to write um, under the circumstances in which this happens, right? We often need need it to carry green recruits through a severe hangover or serving it to friends, provided they are not alcoholics. So this goes back to 
um, the, the paragraph before. Your job now is to be at the place where you may be of maximum help, helpfulness to others. So here is an instance in which there's a good reason to keep liquor in, in the home, um, to, to help others get through a hangover and to be welcoming and to provide hospitality to friends. Uh, and uh, but they're not going to get into the debate, right? We have ceased fighting anything or anyone. People have different opinions about this. As long as I'm not stocking it up in my home to get, as Larry mentioned, a vicarious thrill, I have to check my motives all the time. Am I really stocking up all those cookies because I'm expecting friends? Or am I doing that because I'm getting some sort of thrill out of um, uh, laying up my larder for the next binge? This is where my 10-step inventory every day, do I need to do one of the questions in that 10-step inventory? Is there something that I need to talk about with somebody that I haven't talked to them about? And maybe I'm carrying that secret feeling of... Um, uh, that uh, this time it's going to be different. <laughs> this, this time I'll be able to have that, just one. Um, in which case I need to call somebody right away and share that and do a 10-step. Um, thank you for your service. This is a great meeting I pass. And thank you, Amy E., for sharing. Vasa O., it's your turn. Start one to one mute, Vasa. Thank you. I was talking to myself. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa O. Recover Compulsive Ovita, calling from Massachusetts, and thank you, Janice, for your service. And this is really a good paragraph working, you know, the 12-step working with others. And, you know, I, I bring myself where I was when I started the, my the beginning of my program, being abstinent. I was just so afraid to bring stuff in the house or being where there was food and it is by the grace of God the obsession has been lifted and the fear, you know. And um, But I'll never forget, you know, when I was very newly abstinent, and my father came to visit us for about two or three days, and he had, he has had drinking problems. He's dead by now, anyways. And I would held the liquor. We, I didn't want to serve him any liquor, and... But I didn't know much about the withdrawals at that time. You know, I mean, I knew about the food. But I was very, I was very naive. I just did not know. And he was getting the shakes, and but he used the excuse that he he was sick, you know. But in the past, I remember my mother telling me that he was getting he would get the shakes if he didn't drink. But anyways, um, I was really afraid. I was ready to rush him in the hospital, but anyways, it was the time for him to go home that day, and he probably stopped at the liquor store and got his medicine, and he was fine, but anyways, and I have to apply this, you know, on myself, you know, with the sugar things, you know, and uh, at the beginning, yes, I did everything I could not to be near it, but today I can, I can serve it today, I can be near it, the fear is not there, I, you know, when my, we have cookouts and stuff, my families, I have friends over, you know, it just, you know, it's, the food is around, but I know that's not my food. I have certain ways that I eat, you know, and it's my program. This is the way I work my program. It's not on my business, you know, what other people do with, with their foods or anything. So it really is love and tolerance. 
when I'm spiritually fit, and I feel like I am spiritually fit today, and I have been for a long time, and I, I can go anywhere, I can go any place, and I feel like I'm protected. I have that shield around me. I have I've, I have God's protection, not with the, just the food, with everything in my life. And even if things are not going around, I can always run to God, turn to God to help me deal. You know, I don't have to run to the food anymore, you know, to, for comfort. You know, whatever goes in my life, I run to God and I run to my friends and I run to my program and I do my, my 12 steps as I go along. So thank you for letting me share and I pass. And thank you, Vasa O. Melissa C., you're next. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, You know, this is what um, separates me from being recovered and recovering because, um, you know, earlier on in my abstinence and working my program, um, you know, it was really all about avoiding those foods, keeping those foods away from me um, because I wasn't um, transformed yet. They still had a tremendous hold on me. Um, You know, now at this point... um, I do keep my alcoholic foods in my house. Um, you know, I have to. I have um, I have a family that doesn't have to abstain from these foods. And, you know, for so long, I denied them their treats because I was always eating them before they could have their share. I ate their Valentines, their Halloween stuff, their Easter baskets. For me, nothing was off limits. And, you know, part of my amends is that I don't touch what's theirs now, um, and I allow them to have what they can have, what they want. Um, you know, there are certain foods that I myself don't buy purposefully to bring in the house because they don't hold any excitement for anyone else other than they once held a lot of excitement for me. So, um, But I don't forbid them from coming into the house. And, you know, a beautiful part of this is that I'm not that controlling anymore with other people. Um, You know, I can prepare foods for my family. Some foods I can prepare and handle has no response for me at all. It's not interesting. Um, You know, but years ago, I used to love to bake. And, um, you know, I don't know that I love to bake. I love to eat. And I love to be able to make what I wanted. And um, today, I don't. I don't bake. I simply just have zero desire to do it. Um, and, you know, my daughter reminded me about a year ago, maybe a couple of years ago, that I used to always bake cookies on when there was a snow day from school and how she loved that and she missed that. And, um, you know, I smiled and I told her that, um, you know, she's, she's blessed. She has that memory and she can enjoy the memory of it. Um, and she can always bake the cookies now herself on snow days. Uh, you know, I don't forbid this from happening. Why would I? You know, that would be selfish and self-absorbed. And, you know, my program has taught me about not being that way any longer. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you, Melissa C. Is there anyone else that would like to share? Leah S. Leah S. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Say that again, Nessay? Yes. And your last initial is what, Nessay? R. Ah, okay. Let's have Leah S. and then Nessay. Good yes. morning, Janet. Good morning, everyone. This is Leah 
RCCS, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And what I'd like to share is that thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I have my abstinence and that I practice my program every single day. And what food used to do to me, when I used to stuff that food down my throat, it does not do that to me anymore. It does not satisfy me. It does not call to me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. It's been replaced with spirituality. And spirituality meaning doing certain things that fill me up so much more than food ever could. I, I do my program with other, other things, and it is so amazing when I seek out to do things for others and I see what the um, results are. They fill me up. They really fill me up that, the way that food never could. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Well, thank you, Leah S. Okay, Nessie R. Hi, good morning. My name is Nessie R., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I'm the type of compulsive overeater um, for whom there are no specific trigger foods. Yeah, I get a charge out of sugar, flour, deep fried, you know, the usual but I can also get a charge out of just about anything, the most innocuous foods for for anybody, um, you know, baby carrots, lettuce, apples, you know, whatever, anything, anything will do for me. Um, and the, the truth is I got to keep food in my house. Um, it's not only that I got to keep sugar and flour in my house because I have, uh, I have children and I, you know, other family members, some of whom are normal eaters, some of whom are not normal eaters, but are not in recovery. Um, but I got to keep apples and I got to keep lettuce and I got to keep carrots in, in, in my house. Um, the difference is that I am recovered now and my food has a proper place in my life. My food is um, for nutritional purposes only um, in order to give me the energy that I need to serve God and help others. So I only eat what I need to eat. And I have that focus now, regardless of what's around me, regardless of uh, what others around me are eating or, or, or not eating. It doesn't matter what's in front of me. Um, I know that food has a definite purpose, um, you know, to give me the energy that I need. And it's something that is very clear in my mind now as a result of having discovered truly discovered the big book and the 12 steps and you know without it in my life uh, I don't know I'd still be binging on apple peels who knows and and and, and weird weird stuff but thank God for um for recovery thank God for that focus that my life doesn't have to revolve around food so I can shop for those things I can I can keep them in my house I can you know, do that without any fear whatsoever that I'm going to uh, that I'm going to lose control. Um, as long as I keep working the steps every single day, as long as I keep my side of the street clean by following these precious and very effective directions in the big book, I know I have nothing to fear. No matter what I keep in my refrigerator 
or in my cupboards, which is such a freedom, a freedom that I never, never had before, even in those brief periods of time when I decided that I'm not going to buy um, cookies or ice cream or whatever, because there was always something that I that I could um, look for um, to derive that sense of even comfort that now I get from serving God and from helping others. Thank you very much. I will pass with that. And thank you. Okay, I think we're going to go on to page 103, paragraph 1. And Terry, I uh, would kindly... Excuse me? Uh, uh, this is Shawana from Israel. Can I, uh, can I share, please? Go ahead. Sure, Shawana, go ahead. Um, actually, it's not a uh, share. I w- I'm, I'm leaving Israel for three weeks, and I'm coming to Toronto, Canada, and um, may- maybe Nessa can give me her contact, or I can give her my contact oh, information, okay. my phone number. Okay, what we're going to do, we have, um, you know, um, a program here. We're going to wait until the next meeting, okay, to do that. Um, okay. So if you could hold okay. on kindly, we'd be glad to um, leave your number, and you can ask for Nessa's telephone number, okay? okay. Sorry, uh, Janice. So, sorry, Janice, this is, uh, or Kathy, this is, um, this is Nessa. I don't stay for the second hour because I have uh, responses, but my contact information is on the member list uh, on the website. I don't. Okay. I don't Thank have. Um, uh, I, I'm not. I. Um, I don't have an. Uh, I, I. I can't reach it. I don't. I'm not a member. Uh, you could call me. I have Nisha's phone number. Devora, New Jersey. Can you give me your phone number? Yeah, I'm in New Jersey. Two zero one nine four four nineteen fifty six. Nineteen fifty six. Nineteen fifty six. Nineteen fifty. Wait, two zero one nine four four nineteen fifty six. Yes, call me please. I have okay. to go for two minutes. Okay. Yeah, we have to Bye-bye. continue. Yeah, thank you. We have to continue now in the big book, page one hundred three. We're going to ask Terry, Terry H, please, to read that first paragraph. Thank you. Thank you, Janice. Terry H, recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. We are careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution. Experience shows that such an attitude is not helpful to anyone. Every new alcoholic looks for the spirit among us and is immensely relieved when he finds we are not witch burners. A spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics whose lives could have been saved had it not been for such stupidity. We would not even do the cause of temperate drinking any good. For not one drinker in a thousand likes to be told anything about alcohol by one who hates it. And I would just like to focus in on um, uh, part of two two lines. Um, the first one is a spirit spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics whose lives could have been saved. And you know we learned back on page uh, uh, 84 there at the bottom what is our code? Love intolerance is our code. So um, I always try to meet people where they're at, and um, I always try to put myself in their shoes. And the second line that I want to focus in on is um, the last line where it says, for not one drinker in a thousand likes to be told anything about alcohol by one who hates it. And I always think about the line that we learned um, in the uh, there's five, five words in the doctor's opinion on page XXVIII, and the five words are frothy, emotional appeal, seldom suffices. So 
again, I try to put myself in that person's shoes. Um, you know, was there anything that anyone could have said to me to keep me from picking up my binge foods or overeating? Um, I mean, I just know for me, like, you couldn't tell me, <clears throat> you couldn't tell me what to do. You couldn't plead with me. You couldn't scare me. You couldn't shame me. And, um, you know, I really had to come to the place of surrender on my own. So um, when I read this paragraph, I just I think about, you know, if they're not, if someone's not asking for help, you know, what makes me think that they need it? And um, I've learned in this, in this um, you know, this paragraph, sometimes it takes more faith to say nothing. And there's three things that I use, you know, is it loving, is it kind, is it necessary? So, again, my actions speak a lot louder than my words. So, um, you know, I have family members that see what I do on a daily basis. And um, I also have family members that have come to me and asked for help. And and that was all by the grace of God that I, you know, I haven't had to say anything, but just keep putting my actions and um, doing what I need to do because, it is attraction, not promotion, and I get to be that power of example on a daily basis. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Janice. And thank you, Terry H. Okay, is there anyone else that would like to comment on this paragraph? From Madam. Madam. Anybody else? Kim G. Kim G. Allison. Allison. I'm sorry, wait a minute. Matt, Kim G. Did you say Allison? Allison C. Okay, Allison C. Anybody else? Yes, who? Christy? Spell that. Hmm. Chrissy? Chrissy, P-R-I-S-S-Y. Okay. K-R-I, sometimes I act that way, but no, K is in tight, R-I-S-S-Y. Okay, Chrissy. Okay, Chrissy Madam. M. Okay, good enough. Now we'll start with Madam. Please, Madam. I could- Good morning, my fellow visionaries. This is Matt M., recovered compulsive eater. Uh, yes, in the Jersey contingent, I lined up. Uh, it says the spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics. I cannot be intolerant of others who are still compulsively or overeating because when I was in the food, I was a miserable cuss indeed. It says an alcoholic is in his cup, in his cups is a miserable creature indeed. Absolutely. Anybody who would try to tell me to stop, it's like until I was ready, I would, I would attack them like a rabid animal, very, very verbally and vicious. And people who know me now, they would never think that I was ever like that. If they, if they, but if they would have seen me a year ago or even six months ago, uh, I, they would have had a very different person in their, on their hands. And because we don't, the food is the last thing we use as our last life support before we find program. So for somebody to try to take it away from us when we don't realize we need program at the time, it's we fight with, 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 with the, like a rabid dog that it's bone. I know I did, and I know I'm not alone with that with that feeling. It might sound extreme, but it's true. Same thing like the Jay Walker story talks about. Yep, that was me. You know, hitting myself constantly over the head, or again going out in traffic and getting run over. That's exactly what it did. So when I when I approach people now who I know are definitely suffering, because I'm definitely coming from large numbers, very large numbers. I'm not trying to make myself unique by saying that. I just mean I have a unique experience, like everybody in the room has their own unique experience, strength, and hope they can share with certain people who they know they could reach. I know I'm not my, my story might not reach everybody, but my story can reach some people. So I don't want to be intolerant of other people who are still eating because then I would just be no better than they are, and I just want to be of maximum service to them and my, to God and my fellow man. And with that, I'll pass. Well, thank you, Matt M. Kim G., it's your turn. 
Good morning, Janice. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Um, careful to never show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution. Oh, gosh, I forgot to set my timer. Hold on. Okay. Um, such an attitude would not be helpful. And then, boy, this is some strong language. A spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics whose lives could have been saved had it not been for such stupidity. That's pretty strong language, you know, because I have, I have a, uh, something to tell you guys. Diets do work. You know, moderate exercise and curbing your calories works if you're not a compulsive overeater. So to be slamming these diet programs is not helpful because it works for many people. So I have to be careful not to be slamming Jenny Craig and Weight Watchers and the, the show The Biggest Loser. Because if you are not a compulsive overeater, those are really good methods for you to lose weight. So all I can do is share what my experience is, and then if someone has my problem, they're going to identify in. If they don't, they're not. You know, often when someone asks me, you know, you look like you've lost a lot of weight, what happened? I said, well, I found out I'm allergic to certain foods, and when I start eating them, I can't stop. And for people who don't have my problem, like, that's a very wise thing to do. For someone who has my problem, they might ask me a question a couple days later and say, what does that mean that you can't stop once you start? So I'm not going in there as a bulldozer. And the other thing, just to kind of put in what was in the last paragraph with the idea of green recruits, is that's why I feel it's so, so important in Overeaters Anonymous specifically for us to be recovered before we're carrying this message because we are a fellowship that has been blessed and challenged that we all have different allergies. And if I don't have neutrality around the food, what I'm going to do is inflict my food plan on you. I'm going to tell you what my binge foods are and make you abstain from my binge foods because I can't be around people who don't eat like me. And let me tell you, if you don't have the same binge foods, if you're abstaining from foods that I'm allergic to and you're not, that's just not helpful. But if I'm telling you there's certain foods I can eat and I'm saying you can eat them but you're allergic to them, that's deadly. So it's so essential that we understand that. And we are also a group that has a lot of factions within OA. And if I think I can only help people that eat like me, I'm going to be a lot less helpful. So I sponsor people who are in How and See How and 90 Day and Gray Sheet because all I care about is are you abstaining from the foods that create the phenomenon of craving in you and let's get busy so that mental obsession can be addressed. If I am worried about you eating like me, I am not being helpful. And the last thing I'm just going to say, because I think it's important for us to say this is this meeting, I often hear, I need a vision for you sponsor. I have to do the steps, the vision for you way. There is no such thing. We are a meeting that is, that is absolutely united on the idea, first you put the food down, and then you work the steps according to the big book. So what, you, what we are united on is that. So if you have a person in your area who is, who is recovered, who has had this message, grab on. Vision for You is not a program. It's just a people who have know this common solution, which is the big book of Overeaters Anonymous. And with this, I pass. And thank you, Kim. Okay, Alyssa C., it's your turn. It's actually Allison. Allison C. Allison. from North Jersey. <laughs> it's okay. Um, Allison C. from North Jersey. Um, I love this paragraph. It kind of, I wasn't going to share this morning, but it kind of just hit me. Um, I, I just remember people that I was, sponsoring they like weren't getting it and I was like oh why aren't they getting it why aren't they doing it my way and my food plan and I just you know this really kind of brings it home that it's like it it doesn't matter we we are like who are we to judge where people are at and you kind of 
um, have to meet them where they are, like I heard somebody else say. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think about uh, when I first came in, I thought these people and you know, in program, we're like a cult. They say like witch burners. I thought, oh my gosh, this is a cult. I, I don't want to do this. You know, I was raised Catholic. Um, and then, you know, I got desperate enough to read this book and pick up this book and adopt this spiritual program as a way of life. Um, and, you know, there was a period of time where I lived with family and I would um, binge on their food and be like, it's their fault that I'm binging because they're keeping it in the house. And, um, you know, I'd be like, why do you keep this food in the house? And it's like, who am I to judge? Um, you know, I have no business being in those cabinets. Um, you know, if I'm living um, this program and who am I to really judge other people? You know, my mom needs this program. My cousin needs this program. And for the longest time, I was angry that they weren't doing it. Um, but that's none of my business. And maybe they'll come in the program. Maybe they never will. Um but, but I have to let that go, and I have to be concerned about myself, and I have to go seek out um, others who need my help. Um, and, you know, it's really not for me to decide, you know, who is and who isn't a compulsive overeater. It says it in this book that um, we are the ones that decide, you, you know, we come up, it's, it's a self-diagnosed uh, disease. You know, no one can tell us that we are or we aren't. And uh, thank you for letting me share. And thank you, Allison. Okay, it's Chrissy. Chrissy M. Please judge her. Hi, Chrissy M. Recover compulsive overeater from North Jersey, and I, you know, I, I have, I have such a experience with this because I have done it the wrong way, and it in in all all people when I first came in um, to a twelve step program, I just thought, you know, the world. Would, should be reformed. I, I probably would have been one of those people that were on the bandwagon about prohibition um, back in the day, because I really believed that all that sugar, wheat, alcohol, anything that makes people addicted or gets them hooked into this cycle of obsessive compulsive behavior and robs them of their lives it, it it's evil and it should all it should all be banned and just go away you know but that's the black and white thinking of the alcoholic mind i know that now and and so for me god's opened my mind up in this program thank thank the lord that i am more open minded than that now and that i i can come to understand why people say i'm a grateful, recovering, fill-in-the-blank. I understand. I'm so grateful for being a compulsive overeater because it was the one thing that was strong enough to bring me to my knees so that I could look for a higher power. It was the one thing that brought me out of my self-sufficiency and my selfish way of trying to make a life and and manage my life and find what I was, what we're all looking for, which is connection, you know. And the only way for me was through the door of this devastating disease. So I'm grateful that the food is out there. I'm grateful that um, I can say to someone you know, try some more controlled eating. 
you know, um, they say, it says in the 12 and 12 of Alcoholics Anonymous that John Barleycorn can be our best advocate and we let people hit bottom. You know, if all of these foods were just taken out of, of our diets one day, they were just deemed wrong and, you know, not healthy and, and the FDA <laughs> bans sugar and wheat, there'd be people... Uh, going out and sneaking just like they did in Prohibition to find them. I can't control it. I can't, I don't have any desire to do it. It needs to be there so people who need this program could hit their bottom. So with that, I'll I'll, um, share the time. Thank you. And thank you, Chrissy M. Is there anyone else that would like to comment on this paragraph? Jody E. I'm sorry? Jody E. Judy E. Anyone else? Okay, Judy. Go ahead. Actually, it's Jody. Jody. Jody E. Jody. Okay. Yes, Go ahead. Thank you. Well, I appreciate everything I've been hearing this morning, and I agree. I need a spiritual solution in order to live in this world. My binge foods are everywhere. However, in my own home, I do have some control, and generally speaking, I choose not to have my binge foods in my house, just to play it safe. And also, when I have people over, unless it's a potluck, I tend to serve food that is wholesome and fresh, and I find that people really appreciate that. It's a, it's a, a welcome change for them. I'm pretty famous for my salads, and I also um, serve fresh fruit and things like that for something sweet. And I especially did that when my my daughter was young. And uh, I I would always have healthy food available for her, but I didn't prohibit her from eating other foods when she went elsewhere. That's not to say there was never any sugar, flour, et cetera, in my house. There was. But by and large, I provided healthy food for her just so as not to tempt fate. And I didn't want to get any vicarious pleasure from serving food that I wasn't eating. I think, especially with children, in the case of children, I can serve them healthy alternatives to uh, refine food, and they usually love it. They usually really enjoy it. So if I, ha- if I am in control of what's being served, I try to uh, serve healthy options while not being controlling and remembering that um, I'm not ultimately in control. Everyone is going to have freedom to choose what they want to choose. But if it's if it's my job, that particular meal, to provide the food, I can provide healthy food without being uh, rigid about it or controlling. And people generally would really enjoy it. That said, the solution to my problem as a compulsive overeater is the 12 steps of recovery of Overeaters Anonymous. Absolutely. Thank you for allowing me to share. And thank you for your service. 
And thank you so much. Okay, we still have some time. Anyone would like to comment on this? I, this is Austine. I'd like to comment, Monica. Austine, go ahead. Yes. Hi, good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. Um, you know, this is this is a beautiful paragraph. And, and by the way, I'm Austine R. I'm a grateful, very grateful compulsive eater in Massachusetts. And, you know, the paragraph starts with, we are careful never to show intolerance or hatred hatred of drinking as an institution. And I guess the way I, I'm i extrapolating this is um, for, toward, and again, we're in a paragraph about, or a section about working with others, um, to other people in disease, uh, never, grateful to never show intolerance or hatred of people that are perhaps um, still, uh, still living in disease. And you know, I find myself, and it happened yesterday, to be out in a in a store, and you know, with with uh, happened to observe two um, two adults that appeared to be of a healthy body weight, with a young child that appeared to be somewhat overweight, and um, you know, what I'm struck with is the phrase there, "But for the grace of God goes I," and 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 just thoughts of, you know, uh, food is love. You know, food was love growing up, um, and you know, I heard someone share recently that you know their parents would uh, eat what they uh, did of a meal, and they would put the rest on the child's plate for them to eat. And you know, while it would be perhaps viewed as enabling behavior, I think in context it was um, showing love to kind of sacrifice what wasn't needed um, to another to give to a child. Um, but I, I guess I just wanted to make the note of of having tolerance and acceptance and compassion and empathy for those that we may see outside of um, our walls that may still be suffering. And uh, I look, I, you know, wonder how I can be of service, and yet I know I need to be a source of attraction. Um, so anyway, thank you for letting me share, and thank you all for this incredible service that you do every single day. Thank you. And thank you, Austin. Okay, we have a couple more minutes. We maybe can take two people. Anybody? This is uh, hi, Leia. This is Betty W. Okay, I hear Betty W. and I hear Leia. Please go ahead, Betty. Oh, thank you. And thank you for leading the meeting and everyone who's on the line and working the program with me. Um, uh, there's a phrase that says um, unsolicited advice is a form of criticism. And if I'm going to give somebody unsolicited advice on how to do their program, I'll go over to them and tell them what they need to do about their weight issue or any other personal issue. Uh, I am basically, I feel, uh, criticizing them. And I really have to look at my intention and saying. Uh, what is this? It, this is coming from my ego. And I also feel, as the previous speaker said, that that first sentence is so important. We are careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking slash compulsive eating as an institution because uh, when if I do that and I'm judging somebody else uh, in their addiction, I'm really um, playing one-upmanship and um, looking at myself as better. And I'm not better than anyone else. I'm on the same 
level as we all are. And I'm an addict and trying to get healthy. And so and everyone I meet is trying, I think, to get healthy in some way or 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 working with things that they need to work on. And so for me to just speak from my own experience is really what I can share, my own experience in recovery. And I'm so grateful because I learned that uh, in this program in A Vision for You and from others in the OA program. And, and before that, I always made myself um, look better because of my insecurities. And I'm sorry to say that, but that's who I was before I was recovered. So thank you all for sharing your wisdom with me because it helps me grow one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you so much, Beth W. And we'll have Leah. Leah, please go ahead. Good morning, Janice. Thanks so much. We would not even do the cause of temperate drinking any good for not one drinker in a thousand likes to be told anything about alcohol by one who hates it. Um, you know, certainly when I'm out, uh, you know, engaging in social occasions or in my own home, uh, you know, I do what I need to do because I know who and what I am. I am a real compulsive overeater, and I am bodily and mentally different uh, from those around me. And so, yes, uh, anybody that is with me, uh, that will become um, a parent. Um, and I'm not here to sell anything. Uh, this is a program of attraction, not promotion. Uh, and certainly intolerance is a barrier against recovery, so um, I'm not out there to bash uh, anybody's way of life or any of the other programs that uh, try to assist folks in terms of losing weight. Um, my example has to be the guide. However, <laughs> that being said, once I'm in an OA meeting, I have a responsibility and an obligation and a duty um, to share my personal experience as well as offer an adequate representation of the program of recovery. And I don't know about your experience, and I certainly don't know about your disease, but I can tell you about mine. And that is... Um, you know, that basically from the years 1982 through 1987, while I sat in OA rooms, OA gave me enough rope to hang myself. Uh, now, I'm not blaming Overeaters Anonymous um, completely for the lack of uh, adequate representation of the program of recovery. However, I can tell you with great honesty that the doctor's opinion was never, ever presented to me in those meetings. Now, the doctor's opinion, which is in the front of the book, um, is the foundation of the whole big book and, and our fellowship. And to the non-compulsive overeater, this section may simply seem to be a helpful introductory note. I mean, for goodness sakes, it only has Roman numerals. Can't be that important, can it? But, you know, without it, the entire book doesn't make sense. And, you know, Dr. William Silkworth was the first one to 
um, understand, fully understand and put it to words what an alcoholic's problem is, this, uh, this idea of an allergy and a normal physical reaction to something. Now, obviously, we all have different allergic, uh, you know, substances, so that's not my point to drill down on a particular food plan. That's not my point. My point is that I do have a responsibility because it is my experience, because I could not gain access uh, to a power greater, greater than myself through these steps without understanding and applying what is learned in the doctor's opinion. So I don't mean to step on any toes in any OA meetings. I just have to share, uh, feel a responsibility to share when I go into those OA meetings uh, my experience and what this text uh describes in the very front of the book before embarking on the journey of spirituality through the 12 steps. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. And thank you so much. That was Leah M. Okay, it is that time, so I want to thank everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Angela D., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, Angela D. from Westchester, a very grateful, compulsive overeater, recovered a day at a time. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you as and to us Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if you own if your own house is in order. But obviously we cannot transmit something we haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand him. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.